I remember years ago hearing about a little boy who was praying to God and he was trying to understand more about what it meant to have a relationship with God. And the story was, he said something to the effect of, God, I love you and I want to follow you, but I need to see you because I need somebody with skin on. Amen? <laughs> I, need to somebody that has, I need to see somebody that has some skin on. Have you ever felt like that before? Maybe you're learning about God, maybe you're reading His Word, but, but it's hard to know how the Bible lives out in real life. Have you ever felt like that? And it's nice to have someone that you can look to and you can say, you know what, I know that person's not God, I know that person's not perfect, but that person sure does help me understand at least a little better what following Jesus looks like in real life. I'm so thankful for many people throughout the years that God has brought into my life, that I could look at them and I could say, you know what, they help me to understand a little bit better what it means to walk with Jesus. Have you ever had anybody like that in your life? You're blessed if you have. And I'm hoping that being a part of New Hope, that as you get involved in our church family here, that you're going to find people like that. You're going to find people that you can look at and say, you know what, that, that person helps me to understand what it means to walk with Jesus. Sometimes you'll hear people say, well, why do we have to go to church? I mean, do you really have to go to church? Well, let me ask you this. How many people at work, how many people at school, how many people on TV are encouraging you to walk with God? How many people are doing that? That's why the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 through 25, it challenges us to hold fast to the confession of our hope and then it says in verse 24, and let us consider, let us think of ways, that sounds pretty active, doesn't it? Let us consider how to stimulate, and that word means to stir up. There are people in churches that like to stir up things, but it's usually not very positive, okay? All right. The Bible says if you're looking for things to stir up, it says let's, let's be thinking, let's be planning for ways to stimulate, to stir up one another to love and good deeds. That's the kind of influence we're supposed to have. Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and not less, not like some people would say, well, I've grown, I don't need other people in my life. It says no, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And it's talking about the day of Christ. It says, listen, this life's not getting any easier. We need each other, amen? I need people in my life. I need the people of God in my life. I need other travelers, on the journey to help me and so that I can help you to encourage each other. I need a church family. People who can help me see what it means to walk with Jesus. And hopefully I can help you as well. Amen? Over the last few weeks, we've been studying this book of Philippians and we're talking about joy. The Bible is teaching us about finding true joy in our lives. Isn't that what we're looking for? And today we're going to look at finding joy and learning from others. Finding joy in our lives by learning from the lives of other people. We all need some people in our lives who are seeking to live for God. And as we watch their lives, they help us to understand better what it means to walk with Jesus. And first of all, I want us to think about this. <clears throat> Godly examples have or they teach us the right concern. Now what do I mean by that? Well, let's read these verses. Godly examples, people in our lives that we can look to, they teach us something, they teach us the right concern. 
He says in uh, Philippians 2, verse 19, he's, the Apostle Paul, he's writing this letter to the Philippians. He says, but I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all, other people, seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his, of Timothy's proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately, as soon as I see how things go with me, and I trust in the Lord that I myself also will be coming shortly. But I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you and was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me, so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore I have sent him, he's talking about Epaphroditus, I have sent him all the more eagerly, so that when you see him again you may rejoice, and I may be less concerned about you. Receive him then, in the Lord Paul says, with all joy, and hold men like him in high regard. Because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Now as we read that passage, it's clear that there are two men that the Apostle Paul is talking about. He's talking about a man named Timothy, and he's talking about a man named Epaphroditus. And they're the ones that we're going to focus on today. However, before we focus on them, I don't want to miss this. If you've been with us as we've been walking through the book of Philippians, clearly the Apostle Paul has been by um, implication an example to the Philippians. And then last week as we studied, who was the example that Paul referred to in Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11? Who was the example that Paul gave them? Anybody remember? We talked about Jesus. Paul says, okay, here's... Here's my life, and he's trying to, just through the way that he influences them, share. And then he's giving them Jesus as an example. And so now we're talking about two more men. So what what we're recognizing is we're in a section of Scripture in the midst of emphasizing how we can have joy in our lives. And Paul is clearly being led to emphasize that part of that happens through following the example of godly people around us. And in verses 19 through 30, he begins to focus in. He's talked about himself. He's talked about the Lord Jesus, the best example of all, amen? But in these verses, he's beginning to focus on these two men, Timothy and Epaphroditus. And one of the things that jumps out from their two lives is that they both have a common concern in their life. They demonstrate an extreme concern for the well-being of other people. Look at verses 19 through 21. Paul said, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy so that I may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. He said, I'm going to send Timothy to you. He's going to come back to me because I want to what? I want to know how you're doing. And so I'm going to send Timothy so he can find it. So here again, Paul's showing his concern. He's showing himself as an example. And as he does that, he says about Timothy, for I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your well-being. Paul says, I have nobody else, actually literally he says, of equal soul like Timothy. He says, I have no one else, some of your translations say, I have nobody else quite like him. 
There's nobody else that I could send better. In fact, there's a little bit uh, any uh, uh, there's a little bit of a nod here. I think the New American Standard might have been some Anne of Green Gables uh, fans here. Anybody watch those? Okay, I, I get a little culture from my girls. Okay, I mean I'm more of a football baseball guy, but 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 my translation says of kindred spirit. Okay, all right. Well, he says I have no one else quite like Timothy, who is genuinely concerned for the things concerning you. Paul says you guys know how much I love you. You know how concerned I am for you. But this guy, boy, I got to tell you, it's amazing. It's hard to find somebody like this. This guy has just as much concern for you as I do. You know, thankfully, we have other pastors. We have a team of pastors in our church family. But, you know, when I was thinking about this, I was thinking about from two different perspectives. I was thinking about as a pastor, and I was thinking about as a parent. What if I was going away for a little while? I said, hey, you know, i got to go on a trip or I'm going on vacation or I'm going to be away for a little while. What if you were leaving your, your flock with someone and you weren't real sure if they were going to take care of things? Paul said, I, I got this guy that I know that he's going to take care. He's going to love you. He's going he's to take care of you just as much as I would. Think about his appearance. You're going away on a trip. Isn't it nice to have grandparents kind of living close by? Okay. Isn't it nice to know that that here's some people that care about my kids just as much as I do? And while I'm gone, I don't have to worry because I know we're exactly equal souls on the same page. That's what he says about Timothy. He had an extreme concern, just like Paul. Then he talks about Epaphroditus in verses 25 through, through 28. First of all, he says, Paul says, this guy, he's my brother. He's my fellow worker, my fellow soldier. Now, we don't know a lot about Epaphroditus, but those are pretty high praises from a guy like Paul, amen? He says, he's my brother. He's my fellow worker. Paul was a worker, amen? Paul was all about serving the Lord. He's my fellow soldier, Epaphroditus. He's no wimp. He's serious, about others, and sharing the good news with them. Then he said to them, he's your messenger. He's your minister to my need. Now, apparently, Epaphroditus had some sort of relationship with the Philippians and with Paul. Certainly, we get the impression that he was part of the church there in Philippi. Now, there are some people that even speculate that he might have been the pastor. That's possible, but I think it's also possible that he was just a man that loved God with all of his heart and served the Lord in different ways than being a pastor. It seems that that Philippian church said, we've got some support that we want to give to the Apostle Paul, and so Epaphroditus apparently volunteered or was chosen, he was willing to dangerously deliver it. But here's what I want you to notice. He described what he did to minister to Paul, and he, and he described, Paul described what he did to minister to them. Sounds like a guy that is really other focused. Amen? When Paul's describing him, he's talking about a guy that really blessed me and has really made a difference. Then he goes even further in verse 26, and this is amazing. Did you pick it up when we were reading it? Apparently, in the process of going to see the Apostle Paul, Epaphroditus got sick. And he got so sick that he almost died. Now, I don't know about you, if I got sick on a long trip... That I would sort of be worried about that. Amen? If I got so sick, okay, let's say we were on a trip to, uh, to Thailand, you know, like our church goes. 
Okay, let's say we were on a trip to Thailand, you got so sick you were almost going to die. Okay, would you be worried about you for just a moment? Would you? And would everybody give you some grace that you should be worried about you for just a moment? Okay, Epaphroditus was upset, but he was upset because Paul was upset. And he was upset because the Philippians were upset. He was almost going to die, but he was most concerned that they were concerned. Isn't that amazing? Here's a guy who is completely concerned about other people. I don't want you to worry. I want to ask you this question. Do you have, a, do you have people in your life who are influencing you to think more about others? And you know what? They don't have to be perfect. You know what? We look at Timothy, and he was a young pastor. But you know what? Timothy, he, he was a little bit uh, timid, if you read his story. Okay? He, was a little, he got a little nervous sometimes. In fact, we get the impression he kind of had some stomach problems. <laughs> you know? Okay? You got some nerve issues. Okay? Well, Timothy did too. He wasn't perfect. And Epaphroditus, we kind of get the impression about him he, that he wasn't as much of an out front kind of guy. We don't, we don't know much else about him. Okay, so many times we think about other people as, as needing to be super-duper Christians. You know, different than me, different than you. That's the way we think of it, right? That's the kind of people that God's really going to use. But listen to what one person said specifically about the first 12 disciples. Now listen to this. These are the first 12, the apostles we call them, kind of the foundation that, that Jesus used to lay the early church. This is what someone said. The good news about Jesus getting out to the world and the founding of the church hinged on 12 men whose outstanding characteristic was their ordinariness. I don't even know if that's a word, but you know what it means, right? The Gospels indicate that they were slow learners and kind of dense spiritually. I hope that's encouraging to you. (laughs) Do you sometimes not get it? Does it take you a few times hearing it? Amen, anybody? Can God use anybody like me? Can God use people like me in my life? And they had not been doing this their whole lives. If Jesus' entire ministry lasted for only three years, it could be around 18 months that He was training these men. Okay, so here's the point. The people that you are learning about God from don't have to be the most gifted. Don't have to have been a Christian for 40 years. But they do need to be the kind of person that influences you to think about others more. Do you have people around your life like that? The point that we're getting to is the more you have people like that around your life, the more joy you're going to experience in your life. Amen? Let's don't forget that. That is our point. If I want to experience more joy in my life, I need more people around me who are thinking like a Timothy and a Paphroditus. So they give us the right concern, but also godly examples have the right focus. When we see somebody today who seems like a servant, or who seems like is a selfless person, many times the first thing I want to think of is, what are they selling? Amen? I mean, if somebody's really nice, or if they're, you know, really, you know, what, what's the catch? I mean, what is it that you're trying to, you know, what's the selling point? But these men were for real. They had the right focus. Look at Timothy in verses 21 and 22. He says, for they all, Paul is talking about other people that he had experienced, 
they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of His proven worth, that He served with me for what purpose? Tell me, what's it say? He served with me, what's it say? In the furtherance, what's it say? In the work of the gospel. He served with me in the furtherance of the gospel. Now that word gospel, it means the good news about Christ. What Jesus Christ has done for us. Jesus died on the cross to pay for our sins. He rose again. He offers us eternal life if we put our trust in Him. That's what that message, that's what that word gospel means. He says, He served with me in the furtherance of the gospel. Now listen to this. Like a child serving his father. Paul said, as I've been involved in God's work, I've seen many people who were concerned really a lot about themselves. But I got to tell you about Timothy. I've seen a lot of proof that his focus in life is Jesus Christ. His focus is that he wants more people to know Jesus. I have seen that, he says. You have seen that. Paul had led Timothy to the Lord, probably on his first missionary journey to Timothy's hometown. And Timothy had been with Paul for many years. One author said by this point, maybe as much as 10 years. He had served with Paul in many different ways at many different times. And Paul said that Timothy had humbled himself. He recognized God's mighty hand on the Apostle Paul. And he says, you know what? I see God's hand on Paul's life. And I just want to be God's servant to encourage God's servant. Because God's using him. And I just want to help him be used by God. Because when Paul is used by God, more people come to Jesus. So he said, he humbled himself. Just, he, he made himself like a son to me. And Paul always expresses it that way. In many ways, he saw Timothy that way. But he said the point of Timothy's life was he just wanted more people to know the Lord as their personal Savior. That was his focus. That was the reason for everything he did. Then Epaphroditus in verse 30. It says, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Epaphroditus had traveled from Philippi to Rome, which was about 700 miles. That probably would have taken him about five to seven weeks. Okay, that's like me going to my in-law's house in, close to Charlotte, North Carolina, on foot. That's what Epaphroditus did. Okay? And when he got there, what happened? I think after five to seven weeks of walking, I'd be a little sick too, amen? He got sick. The guy was worn out. He was about to die. In fact, I think it's kind of interesting here as a, sign, as a side note uh, uh, for many people who are focused on the sign gifts, why didn't Paul heal him? Okay, this is probably an indication this was coming down to the close of that, of that phase of the church's history where that was, that was more the focus. So the Apostle Paul says, here's this guy, he, he, he traveled 700 miles on foot, he came to deliver uh, your message and your ministry to me, this gift to me, he almost died, and by the way, where was he going to visit Paul? Where was Paul? In jail, right? He was in prison. So don't you think if he had went to visit Paul, there was a slight chance that they might say, oh, you're one of those guys? Why don't you just come on in here with him? Amen? 
Paul's life was on the line. And so could have been Epaphroditus' life. The point is, here's a man who loves the Lord so much, he would do anything to get God's message out and to support its expansion. In fact, the word that's used here for risking his life is kind of interesting. The word that's used there for risking his life means to expose yourself to danger. Actually, it was used, it was used sometimes it was translated gambling. Okay? And actually, it is said that later in church history, there was an association of men and women who used that very word as their name. You could translate that the risk takers or the gamblers. And Kenny Rogers wrote their theme song. Uh, you've probably heard that. Because the reason, <laughs> the reason I heard, I mean, I was too young to hear that song. But anyway, the reason they were called that is because they visited sick people and they buried people. In fact, a couple of years after this time, in 252 AD specifically, a, a plague had broken out and all the non-Christians had left this specific town. All the Christians stayed around and took care of the sick and buried the dead and saved that city. And that was the name that they went by. That was the kind of man that Epaphroditus was. He was willing, not recklessly, but willingly, to put his life on the line so that God's message could continue to go out. You know, many times when we think about mentors, we think about our jobs, right? We think about, I need an internship. I need to learn how to get better at what I do. And certainly, uh, that's a wonderful thing to do. But what about your faith? What about your walk with God? Are you listening to me? What about your purpose in life? Wouldn't it make sense if God says that I've been left here with a focus? And it's clear in God's Word. All of us as Christians have a mission, have a purpose. Wouldn't it make sense that I would start rubbing shoulders with some people who think a little bit more like that? Amen? Not perfectly, because we'll never find anybody. But people who reflect Christ and who help us grow more like Him. If you do that, what the Bible is teaching, you're going to experience more of the joy of the Lord. Last thing is this, godly examples have the right impact in our lives. You know, I think it becomes very clear as we read through this point in the book of Philippians. It's very clear as you read this. I mean, if you read through Philippians, and by the way, I encourage you to do this. It's a letter. If you read a letter, I mean, I just got a letter from somebody, and I didn't parse it. I didn't break it into chapters and study it one verse at a time, okay? The reason we do that with God's Word is because God's Word is so awesome, you need to take a little more time to read His letter, amen? But sometimes we ought to just sit down and just read the book of Philippians. Yeah, just start at chapter 1, verse 1, and go all the way through chapter 4, the end of chapter 4. If you do that, you're going to notice, it's kind of obvious, Paul's trying to lead by his example, he's trying to point to Jesus, and then he's trying to say, and I'm also lifting up to you some fine examples here. Here's a man named Timothy, here's a man named Epaphroditus. And in verse 29, he kind of summarizes that point as he sort of brings all that to a, to a, to a, a high point there. In verse 29, he says, Listen, I want you to receive him then in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard. Now, we need to be clear here about something. Throughout church history, those kind of statements have been mistaken to mean that we give some people special position or special privilege. Now, the Bible does talk about that when someone is used by God in our life that it is appropriate to show respect or it's appropriate to show appreciation for the work. And it's certainly 
that is something that God wants us to do for one another. But we also know that the Bible warns about that position thing, about that privilege approach. In fact, if we're right about Epaphroditus, that he wasn't so much an upfront guy, if he was more of a behind-the-scenes kind of servant, he would not have wanted that, would he? He would not have wanted to be lifted up. So I think it's more like, right down in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 11. The Apostle Paul said to another church, he said, Be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Paul said, Find people who love God and follow their example. In fact, the word that's used there is the word that we get our word mimic from, or the idea of imitating, okay? So Paul says, listen, as you, you need to find some people that you see Jesus coming out of. Amen? Listen, let's be very careful about something here. We're not saying find people who are doing the things the Bible says to do and you start doing them too. That's a subtle difference that many churches get into and it's not correct. I cannot do anything good except God do it through me. Okay? So what I need to do is I need to find people that Jesus is working in and if He's working in them, He's going to work out of them. Amen? And when I see Jesus coming out of them, then the Jesus in me recognizes the Jesus in them, and the Jesus in me wants to start coming out and looking more like the Jesus in, him, in them. Amen? So, so let's be very careful. Don't leave here tonight saying, i got to start being a better person. i got to start watching my language. i got to start uh, protecting my thoughts more. i got to quit drinking, or i got to quit, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're struggling with, Okay? It's not do this or do that. It's let Christ speak to you through others, and as He speaks to you and affirms to you what He's doing in them, imitate or follow their example. I think Epaphroditus would not wanted us to have lifted him up with special privilege and position, but I think he would have been overjoyed if we saw some of Jesus in him and it caused us to want to live more for Jesus in our own lives. Amen? I remember when I was first starting out in my walk with the Lord. And I was involved in a church family. And I saw this man who was really... I don't know, it seemed like he was taking following God seriously. And I remember a moment. I remember a period where I thought to myself... I don't see a lot of other people living that seriously. Taking this Christian walk thing that seriously. Listen to me. Here's what I thought to myself. Either he's weird, and all the rest that I'm seeing are kind of normal and sort of, you know, taking it like it needs to be taken. Or he's taking it the way God wants us to take it, and they need to kind of step up and grow further. And, and the reason I was saying that was not to judge them. I was trying to figure out, how am I supposed to live? Now listen to me. So I said, well, let me see what the Bible says. And as I started reading the Bible, I started seeing that he wasn't weird. 
I mean, from the world's perspective, he was, because there weren't many people living like that. So in that sense, it was strange. But as I was watching his life, and I'm not talking about being obnoxious and in people's face and, you know, whatever we tend to think of when we talk about taking God seriously. We tend to think of it in that kind of a way. I'm just talking about somebody who is serious about walking with God. And as I began to read the Bible, I said, you know what? He's doing what it says. He is actually just doing what it says. That's not abnormal. That should be the norm. And as I began to process that in my heart and life, I said, you know what, God? That's what I need to live like. I need to take you more seriously. I don't need to take some and not take other parts. Amen? I need to, whatever it says, live it out. That is the impact that God wants other people to have on our lives. That when we look at them, we say, oh wow, you really helped me to see how it's supposed to be lived out. And I want to live more like that too. You know, there are many people who think that the Christian life is an individual experience. What do I mean by that? I hear people say sometimes that, you know, uh, don't talk to me about God because that's a very private matter. Okay? Well, listen, here's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that a relationship with God is a very personal thing. That is for sure. God wants a personal relationship with me and with you, but he never intended for it to be private. He intended for others to impact your life, and he intended for your life to impact others. Did you hear that? Okay, so it is very personal. Jesus Christ saved my soul. I have a relationship with him. Thank God, praise his name. That's between me and him, however you feel about it. Amen? It's very personal, but it's not supposed to be private. He wants you and me to share our lives together. And if you are not allowing others to see Christ through your life, and if you're not allowing others to show Christ through their life and to make a difference in your life, you are missing out on some of the greatest joy in life. Hey, that little boy said, God, I love you. And I want to have a relationship with you. But I need to see somebody with some skin on. You know what God is saying to us? I've sent you some skin. Amen? They're right here today. Not one of us is Jesus perfectly. But when we all get together and do our part, we are the body of Christ. And Christ gets lifted up. And I don't say, hey, praise this person. Or hey, praise that person. I say, hey, as I look at all of you guys and Jesus working in your life, praise the Lord. Amen? And God changes my life and makes it more meaningful. I want to challenge you tonight. Are you letting Jesus use others to influence your life? Are you getting involved in our church family? Are you, are you in a growth group? Are you getting involved in a ministry? Are you being a part of these outreaches that we're doing? Are you just kind of sitting back and just soaking all? And you know what? Sometimes that's, that's, a, that's a part. That's a, that's a, you know, maybe, maybe you're checking things out initially, but, but for some of us tonight, it's time to take that next step. In a couple of weeks, some people are going to take a big step. They're going to be baptized. 
You know what they're doing? They are allowing us to enter into what God's doing in their life. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to praise the Lord, aren't we? We're going to say, God, you're reminding me through watching them of what a joy it was when I gave my life to you. Thank you, Lord. You know what you're going to do? Some of you are going to leave here and start praying for them because you say, you know what? I know that they're going to go through some challenges in their, their early walk with the Lord. And because they shared that with you publicly, now you're going to know to be able to pray for them. Do you see all that begins to happen? After this service, you are welcome if you need to, to just to go straight out the door in the parking lot and, and go, I mean, some of you have appointments or different things. But you know what? If you have time, grab a cup of coffee and just ask somebody, hey, my name's Robbie. I don't think we've met. What's your name? Is this your first time here? And get to know somebody tonight and let God speak to you and let God speak through you. I'm telling you, you're missing out on some fun if you're not doing that. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight that you have put others around us so that we can learn what it means to walk with you so that we can experience some of the joy that you have for us. And Father, there are people in this room, Lord, and I know there are some that struggle with church and all this because, Lord, they've had some bad experiences or, or somebody let them down. Or, Father, we've got to separate that people are not you. People are sinners and, and we're going to let each other down. But Father, that should not cause us to miss out on the blessing of seeing you through others. And Lord, I'm sorry if someone has really had a bad experience of not seeing you. And I pray that you would help us at New Hope to truly be Christ in one another's lives. And in our community, and where we work, and where we go to school, and where we have fun, so that we'll not hinder someone experiencing all this tonight. Lord, would you do all that work? I can't do all that. But would you do all that in these moments? And Lord, I pray if there's someone here tonight that's never trusted in Christ as their Savior, They've never even started that relationship. Lord, I pray that tonight they would call upon your name and say, Jesus, please come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Would you be my Savior? Would you, would you forgive me for the things that I've done wrong and begin to lead my life and teach me how to walk with you? God, help someone to make that choice tonight. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.